Merry Christmas. For those of you in the room and for those of you joining us online, Merry Christmas. It's awesome and exciting. It's special to be here uh, with you this morning. Uh, I was sharing with a friend uh, that's a father of one of the guys on Otis's soccer team, and they'd come to sing and bling, and uh, we'd invite him to come here as well. And he said, you know, we couldn't make it because we needed to go see my mother, but he said, you know, I'm excited for you guys to have your first Christmas Eve in your new space. And so Merry Christmas, Miss Yo. <laughs> By God's grace, we get to be uh, here in this space. And for those of you that are guests, welcome again in the room and online. My name is Dominic and I have the privilege of, of leading this community uh, and following Jesus. And over the last four or five weeks, we've been journeying through the season that's known or called Advent. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, Advent, it's, it's a simple word uh, from Latin that just means arrival or coming. And what we've been doing each week is lighting a candle uh, to represent our journey of longing, our journey of waiting, our journey of hoping and expectancy that, that Christ has not only come present with us, as Mike spoke about, but that one day he's going to come back and be fully present once again. And so we've been lighting the candle of hope and of love and of joy and of peace. And this morning, Mike lit for us the, the Christ candle uh, to represent uh, what we celebrate as we gather here this morning and as you'll gather this weekend uh, throughout the city, throughout the country with family and friends, we, we celebrate that Christ indeed has come. And I want to share with you this morning just a few things that have been meaningful and special to me uh, in this Advent season. Uh, first is, yeah, the Kids Read Truth Advent cards and lighting the candles with my boys. Uh, it's been interesting at their age now to do some of the questions they ask, some of the conversations. It's been really important to me and it's been actually eye-opening to me and I'll, I'll speak more about that in a bit. The second thing is um, the kids' Christmas tree. If you want to put a picture up of that, this year we had two Christmas trees in our home. Uh, Christine and I decided just kind of unanimously together, we're not doing a real tree this year. After 10 years of a real tree, we just said, we didn't feel like we had the time nor the space to go do the hunt and go do all this stuff. And so we, we bought a fake one, got a killer deal at Target, and we had this beautiful fake Christmas tree with lights already strung on it. But the day after Thanksgiving, the boys and I, which is tradition when we would normally go to our real tree, we just took a walk. And they did colored lights and we had the boring white lights and they did their candy canes and all, every, every place they went, they got a candy cane. They came home and they put it on there. And it was just so fun to see the boys' joy, not only in decorating it, but also in putting little bags under the tree that they then went and gave to neighbors and gave to friends. It was really exciting to see them understand and get caught up in the joy. Again, I'll, it was helpful for me to get caught up in that mystery as well. And if you want to hear more about that tree, I can't for time, but ask me about the moldy cheese smell. Go ahead, and I'll, I'll tell you a story later. The third thing, though, that was really special this year in Advent is turning on the Christmas lights. This is our living room, and I'm an early riser. I get up naturally in the morning, regardless of what time I go to bed. I just, I wake up sometime between 5.30 and 6, and my habit is just to sit in the living room with the Lord. I sit quietly, I listen, I pray, I read, uh, breathe, just getting ready for the day. Once the kids wake up, it's chaos, you know that. And so this year, though, I've, I've made the habit of just turning on the lights. Um, instead of doing any other light, I plug in those Christmas lights. And it's been really good for my soul to look at and see and consider the bright lights against the darkness of the evergreen trees. It's been good for me emotionally to sit there and to contemplate and to consider what we're actually, again, talking about and journeying through in Advent. A season of longing, a season of waiting, a season of anticipation. It's been really good for me to sit and to get honest about the things I'm longing for, that I'm waiting for, the things that I'm hoping for, the things that I'm expectant of as I wait 
for the return of Christ, even as I remember that he has once already come. And it said, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us. And there's two of them hanging on our tree. And so no matter which chair I sit in, as I've sat each morning of this Advent season looking at the tree, again being caught up and reminded of the beauty of the light against the backdrop of the darkness of the green tree, God has allowed my gaze to be caught by this sign. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given for us. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about this son. I want to talk to you about this child. And I want to share with you a few things that God has spoken to my heart and just gotten my attention with. Because I'll be really honest with you, church. Because I'm so familiar with the Christmas narrative, it's really easy for me to become indifferent or to consider the miracle of the incarnation and the Christmas story commonplace. And so this year, part of my heart and my prayer as I was looking and meditating upon this scroll that my boy wrote with his own hand, God did a couple things just to speak to my heart. And I want to share that with you. So we're going to read from the prophecy of, of Isaiah. It's chapter 8 is where that comes from. Excuse me, chapter 9 is where that comes from. We're going to read a few verses of it. But just, just to set the stage a little bit, what we're going to be reading is it's a prophecy from the 8th century before Christ. So hundreds of years before Christ even came. It was written at a time when Israel, God's people, right, they were in exile. They were outside of their land. In other words, they were in a really dark place. But this prophecy was telling about the coming of a king, the coming of a kingdom that would usher in a new quality of life, not only for Israel, but for the whole world. So I want to read that prophecy with you and, and talk about it for a bit. So this is Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to read verses 2 through 7. It says this. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And as I've sat and thought about this verse almost daily for the last four weeks, the thing that has really caught my attention is this fourfold name of this child. The fourfold name of this son that is given to us. And I want to talk about that for a moment. Because it's a really unusual name for a child. It's a really strange name to give a son or to speak about in light of your son. It says, Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, I think the thing that God caught my attention with this year as I've been thinking about the reality of the context we're living in and all that's happening in the world, in my own heart, in my own family, 
the reality that this isn't just the name given to a child who's going to fulfill the prophecies that are spoken of all throughout Scripture. This isn't just the name given to a child who's going to be uh, like any other child. This is a unique fourfold name that actually speaks to and declares that this child is going to contain the very essence of God Himself, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The fullness of God the Creator in the child, Jesus, who is given to us. Wonderful counselor. When you hear the word counselor, who do you think of? What do you think of? I think of someone who leads, someone who guides, someone who gives vision, someone who gives understanding and planning and execution, someone who holds within the very essence of who they are, wisdom beyond human capability. I think of Holy Spirit. And hundreds of years before he comes, the Isaiah prophet says, the child will be the wonderful counselor. I read this name, Mighty God, and I think of that. And I realize and remember, it's the name used by, in Deuteronomy. It's the name used by Nehemiah. It's the name used in Jeremiah for God himself, the creator of all things, the one who is all-knowing, all-powerful, majestic, the one whose name you cannot even utter without fear of trembling because he's so powerful. And yet this child will be declared and named and embody mighty God himself. Not just any child. Not a typical name. And then there's everlasting father. That's an oxymoron, is it not? (laughs) A son to be born, a child to be given, and you're going to call him. His name will be everlasting father. When I think of a father, I think of a kind protector. I think of a provider. I think of one who instructs. I think of one who cares, who nurtures. I think of the relational friendship of a father. I think of one who bestows a name upon another. This is the child. This is the son. Embodying all of those things. And then the name Prince of Peace. We've talked about through Advent that peace is not just the absence of war or the absence of battle or the absence of anti-peace, as Joel said. But peace is the presence of God that brings wholeness, shalom, spoken of here, to all who rest or who trust. That this is the child that has been given to us, the child that has come to us. A wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. Again, a very unique child to be born. A very special son to be given. A unique gift of grace from God Himself to humanity. The fullness of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit embodied in this child. And then verse 7 goes on to say, Of the increase of His government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord or the intense desire, the devotion of God himself is going to make this happen. Isaiah paints this picture of this reality that it's it's the full essence again of God given to us in this child. That all space, all time will be full, completely full with the reality of this child who is a king. This child who will bring about and embody salvation for humanity. His presence and His grace reigning and ruling in a way that is unavoidable. 
And as I've meditated upon this this week, I've had to acknowledge and realize there's a lot of things right now filling space and time these days. There's a lot of things right now in the midst of a global pandemic that are unavoidable. I've thought a lot about my own mortality. I don't know about you. I've thought a lot about the reality of suffering in our own world, in our community, in our city. I've thought a lot about the fact that life right now and probably never will be always up and to the right as we suspect or desire. I've thought a lot about the fact that a lot of things feel distant. A lot of things feel disconnected. A lot of things feel fragmented. There's a lot we still don't know. (laughs) How much longer will the pandemic last? How will the vaccine function in this phase of the pandemic? How much socio-political tension is still to come? Is there hope for justice in our day and in our time? What's going to happen in the future? The list can go on and on, right? Thinking about it on that higher level. And then thinking about it on a personal level, our family battling cancer over the last two years in the pandemic. Our family battling mental health over the last two years in the pandemic. Things going on between myself and my father right now, and a lot of you know the story of that relationship, but just a new height of tension in the last couple months. Sitting there, looking, meditating at this tree, seeing this scroll with these verses and thinking, God, what does it mean that right now you are the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace? What does this mean? As I've thought about and meditated upon these things, and again, the reality of my life in the context of living where we are, there's a verse that kept coming to mind for me. The book of Colossians, there's this verse in chapter 1, verse 19, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And I want to read that for you in context to share with you one last thing. This is Paul writing to a church in Colossae, and he writes and he says this. He says, He, the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent or first, the foremost. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In this son that was given, in this child that would be given to us, all the fullness of God pleased to dwell. Again, in the context of this reading in Colossians, it's the eternal Son of God taking on flesh in order to make visible the invisible God to humanity. It's the mighty God who created all things and was was born into human flesh in order to birth and bring about a new humanity, a new people who knew God and live with God in unity and in relationship of love with Him. It's the mighty God who created all things, holding all things together, even in the face of evil that is seeking to destroy and tear apart all that he created good. 
It's all the fullness of God in Christ and at work through Him to reconcile all things, meaning bring back together all things that have been separated, that have been distanced. Bring them back to God in relationship with Him through the incarnation, through the child that was born to us, the Son that was given to us. See, again, there's a lot of things that are uncertain, a lot of things that we're not sure about. One thing, friends, that I want to remind you this morning that we believe to be true and sure is that all the fullness of God dwells in Christ. And God gave us Christ in order that we might experience and know that fullness. No matter what the context we're living in. No matter what the day. No matter what the season. No matter what the time. No matter what the turmoil. That we would get to experience in our day and in our time, right where we are, because He is present, we get to experience fullness through Christ. See, we read in the prophecy of this coming king and of the kingdom of God that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Again, staring at the lights on the backdrop of the evergreen tree has reminded me of the feeling of fumbling in the dark like in a dark room. The fact that you can't see, that you can't walk, and I've done that a few times here in this building as I've tried to get used to the space and come and look things and set things up. That horrible feeling of fumbling in the dark, not knowing where you're going. You don't know where you are. You don't know what's at your feet. You don't know if something's going to, even a spider web, hit you in the face. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that, that horrible, horrible feeling. But I was reminded that that's what the world was like before Jesus. That's what the world was like before the Son was given, before the child was given. It's like fumbling in the dark trying to find a way forward. And again, many things in this pandemic year have, have felt like that. It's felt like fumbling around in the dark. Lots of challenges, lots of things left undone, lots to be left desired for. And God invited me to be honest about my longings. And I want to share with you a few things. And I'd invite you to consider this too. If you long for light to guide you in the darkness, you long for Jesus. If you long for increased joy and sustained joy, you long for Jesus. If you long for gladness and victory, you long actually for Jesus. If you long for the end of oppression and of war, you long for Jesus. If you long for the tools of war and the ways of war to be done away with, to be burned in the fire, as Isaiah said. Truly, you long for Jesus. If you long for a peace that has no end, friends, what you're longing for is Jesus. If you long for justice to come and justice to be upheld in every situation, you long for Jesus. If you long for healing in any way, physical, spiritual, emotional, you're longing for Jesus. If you long for righteousness to be the way of rule and of government, in your heart, in your home, in our world, I remind you, you long for Jesus. And if you long to know that you are desired, that you are loved, that you have an everlasting Father who knows your name and bestows upon you a new name, a Father who protects, a Father who guides, a Father who leads, a Father who loves like no other, then friend, you long for Jesus. The good news is, church, that he's come. That the very thing, the very one that you long for has come. 
And He is present with you. He is present with us. I want to leave you with this last reminder. The name that the prophet Isaiah declared in chapter 7 is also declared by the angels as they speak to Joseph, the birth father, the, the, the father of Jesus on this earth. Not the birth father. Matthew 1.23, the angel said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, Jesus is the subject and he is the focus of all human history. Jesus is the fulfillment of all human longing. He is the primary agent of healing and renewal. He is the one that has been given to us. Not you, not me, not politics, not economics, not technology, not science. All good things, but Jesus preeminent above them all. Jesus is the one who has saved the world. He is the one who is saving the world. And Jesus is the one who is going to come back to save the world fully, past, present, and future. And through Jesus' birth, and what we celebrate this weekend, is remembering that God chose to come and to be present with us. God chose not to work from home. He chose not to be at a distance. He chose to come and enter into the room, to enter into the very space that you and I live and you and I breathe, to come and be present with us in order that we might experience hope and love and joy and peace from now until the day that He returns. Friends, I pray that you would choose to allow your longings to be fulfilled in Christ this Christmas season. I do hope that Santa gives you everything you desire. I really do. But I hope that even as you open and wrap it, you will understand and realize I still long for more. And that you would choose to allow your longings to lead you to the light that shines against that dark backdrop. That you would allow your longings to lead you to pursue and to seek and to question and to wrestle, to be honest with Jesus. And let Him fulfill your longings. Let Him be in the room there with you where He wants to be. Because Christ has come. He loves you. He is with you. He is for you. And my blessing over you May the Holy Spirit lead you into the love of God and bless your times of celebration and worship this weekend. May Jesus shine brighter than the darkness that we often walk through. May the Father bless you with experiences of grace that draw you into the mystery of Christ's birth and moments of beauty with family and friends that take your breath away and lead you to worship Him. And my friends, may you receive the gift of the fullness of Christ the child who has been given, the son that has been given to you. Miss Yale, Merry Christmas.